Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking so money with Farnoosh Tarabi. And I ask Shauna, what are my best steps moving forward? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. So sadly, we find ourselves at a time where the Olympics now have come and gone. I don't know if you're an Olympics person or not. I feel like every year I think, you know what, I'm not going to really watch the Olympics. I don't know if I really care about what's going on with the Olympics. And then I get totally sucked into the Olympics. It is crazy. And 
all the stories and I find myself watching the men's curling match. Like, what in the world is that? I don't even know. Is it a sport? Is it not a sport? I don't know. But it's so crazy to me how, you know, the Olympics have this sort of, uh, I don't know, it like puts you in this trance, if you will. And then when they're over, it's like, wait a minute, now there's nothing on TV for me to watch yet again. You know, I have a hundred and some odd stations on my on my direct TV, but there's never anything to watch. It really is quite the dilemma, but uh, I digress and I know we're going to make it. I'm going to survive another four years, or it's really only two years until we get to the Summer Olympics, but I'm going to survive, right? I'm going to make it. We're all going to make it. All right. So today's Ask Shauna question is such a great question. This comes from Joe and he says, Hey, Shauna, I'm a big fan of your show. Ever since my wife got pregnant, I've been taking your advice and really stepping up my money game. Over the past two years, I've started tracking my daily budget, opened two credit cards, started using Stash and Acorns to invest, set aside the max in my paycheck for my retirement, and opened a 529 account for my son Leo with College Backer. Phew. <laughs> my question for you is this. It seems to me that at this point, my money is spread out over all these different investments and platforms. Keeping compound interest in mind, should I be limiting, focusing where I put my money in order to maximize the return later? If yes, then how would you recommend going about it? If no, then what do you think are my best steps moving forward? Thanks again for the wonderful show, Joe. Joe, this is such a great question because I would imagine that a lot of the listeners might be in your same shoes. You know, we have so many different age gaps, income gaps listening to this podcast. I think that's what makes it so cool because there are so many different topics that I can talk about and yet, you know, they all sort of relate to us at different points in time on our journey, wherever we are in our career, wherever we are in our life. And, you know, you have certainly done an amazing work. I mean, this is incredible success over the last two years to kind of have this all set up, you know, you definitely are upping your money game plan. And, um, you know, I'm super excited that, you know, you're, you're taking these steps. It sounds like, you know, you're really motivated. And I think, you know, wherever you are on kind of your, your money plan, even if you're just starting out, let's say you're just rolling out of college, or maybe you've had a rough go the last couple of years, you know, you just start somewhere and like that progress really starts, I think like rolling the ball in the right direction to keep you motivated. But, you know, from what I have seen working with clients for the past 12 years really is that having money in different buckets is one of the keys to success. And what I mean about that different buckets are, you know, that you have your money in different places. So, you know, you've heard that saying like all your eggs aren't in one basket, right? So if something were to happen to the stock market and all your money was in the stock market, you know, that could be troublesome. Or if all of your money was in, let's say your home or an investment property and something happened to the housing market, that could be really difficult for you. So I think, Joe, you've done such a great job of of spreading things out and also, you know, really covering different areas of your life. You know, um, again, different buckets could be lots of different things. It could be anything from, you know, appreciation in a home to the stock market to securing risks that you have in your life. And, you know, I think that we get in 
this habit of, okay, we've got to grow our money, grow our money, grow our wealth, you know, save more, all of these certain things, which are amazing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I always tell people, like, nobody leaves this earth saying that they saved too much money. That just, it doesn't happen, right? Um, But also, I think when we get in this uh, stage of growing our money, we tend to neglect sometimes the protecting it side, right? And I think that, you know, when you are in a good position where you've got a lot of these buckets that are working for you, then it's also looking at, okay, what potential risks might exist as well, you know? Um, Things like, do you have access to disability insurance at work, maybe? You know, we, we tend to overlook this, but because a lot of people hate that word insurance, but in the right situation, the word insurance could be literally a lifesaver. You know, I've, I've seen it provide so many benefits for so many people, but again, it's, it's in the right situation. It's not one size fits all for everyone, but disability insurance is something that helps protect against your biggest asset and your biggest assets, not your car. It's not your home. It's your paycheck. You know, if, if you didn't get your paycheck, you couldn't fund all these buckets. You know, you couldn't keep all of this moving forward. So that's usually a huge risk. Getting disabled for longer than 90 days for most people under 40 is a huge risk. It's more risky or you have more of an opportunity of that happening than of you actually passing away. But it's a risk, you know. Uh, You have a young family looking at life insurance. You know, do you have that? Does that make sense for your situation? I don't know if you own a home or not. You know, does real estate make sense for potential appreciation, but also for tax deductibility. So it's it's thinking about, you know, when I'm growing my risk, am I also protecting them as well? You know, if you're getting that match at work, whether you are or not, you know, staying committed to maxing out your paycheck at work into retirement is a huge benefit. You know, I think the thing to think about is, okay, can I refine this at all? So I'm maxing these contributions, but, you know, is it really working with your risk tolerance? If you haven't had a certified financial planner, you know, take a look at your investment profile. You might consider that. That might be worth investing in right now just to make sure you're positioned properly. There's another online service that I'm a fan of. It's called Bloom. It's with three O's. I'll put the link in the show notes. But for $10 per month, which I think is, I really think it's a steal. I know a lot of people from this podcast have started using Bloom and they've written in to me and, and told me about how happy they are and, and the good customer service they get. And, you know, I, I, I really stand behind what they do. I think this is a really unique opportunity for anybody that has a 401k at work. But what Bloom helps you do is optimize your 401k portfolio to meet your risk tolerance so that you can work to, you know, reduce any unnecessary fees maybe that exist in your portfolio. And fees really are, they're they're drag in your account, you know, they are the thing that will pull your account down. And every percentage makes a difference. You know, when we're talking about growing your assets, if you're giving away a percent because maybe you're invested in uh, different funds or stocks that aren't optimized for your portfolio, you know, over a year, maybe it's not such a big deal. But if we're looking at like 20, 30 plus years, it could end up being a fairly substantial deal. So those are a couple of things to think about. And then it really, it just comes back to, you know, what are your goals? You, your your family, you know, or, or rather, what do you want your life to look like? 
You know, and are you putting your cash towards those goals? And also at the same time, making sure that you're securing against any risks that might might be there, you know? And I, I think just keeping the direction you're going in, I think you're doing such a great job at least once a year, if not maybe every six months, take a look at where you're at and what's missing. You know, what could be growing better? And are there any new potential areas where risk has emerged where maybe you need to shore that up a little bit? You know, and it could be lots of things. It could be thinking about, you know, uh, do you have the right deductible with your health care? Do you have the right coverage with your car insurance? If you don't own, do you have homeowner's insurance? You know, have you looked at an umbrella policy to help protect against liability? So it's shoring up kind of all of these different areas while also keeping up with what you're doing so that everything's moving forward in the right direction. So Joe, I hope that's given you some direction. I think that was such a great question. I'm so happy that you wrote in. And listen, if you're listening to the podcast and you have a question, there's absolutely no question that is a bad question, honestly. Please head on over to the link on my website. There's a contact link. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Send me a question. Let me know what's on your mind. Let me know what you've achieved or where you're struggling, you know, and let's let's work it out together because I guarantee you that there are a lot more people listening to this podcast that probably have some version of the same question and, uh, you know, I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's really neat to, um, you know, get these questions and really to kind of build that community aspect with the podcast. Just before we go into what today's podcast is all about, I just want to do a little reminder that, you know, we love five-star reviews here on Millennial Money. Five-star reviews are how we grow this podcast. If you haven't left a review in iTunes, please do me a favor. Please head over to iTunes. It takes maybe less than like a minute. <laughs> and uh, it, w- it would do a lot for me. It really helps us grow the podcast. And also we've launched our Sunday brunch email club where we're sending you an email every Sunday with exclusive podcast tips, behind the scene music drops, travel deals, money inspiration, and some good old recipes to help the hard stuff, I think, go down a little bit easier. You can go to the link in the show notes to sign up for that. I would love to, I know we all get a lot of email, right? I know I do the same. I get so much email. It is it is actually beyond ridiculous. But what I'm trying to do is just send you something a little a little extra, you know, maybe it's a little just extra motivation. It's it's pretty much whatever just kind of comes spur of the moment to me. Um, you know, if there are any other podcasts I've been on, I would love for you to check those out as well. But um I think it's just it's just another chance for us to connect and to, you know, continue to grow millennial money. But that leads me into today's podcast episode. And I'm so excited uh, to talk about this. So we're actually doing a good old podcast swap. So Farnoosh Tarabi, who is host of So Many Podcasts, she is on our podcast today. And I am over on So Money on Farnoosh's podcast. And so you can head on over there today. After you check out my episode, make sure you subscribe to her podcast as well. And you can listen to kind of both of us, you know, behind the scenes. We're sharing some stories about our own money journey, the lessons we've learned along the way, um, and just some good old, you know, kind of fun tips that we've that we've picked up. But Farnoosh has certainly been such a trailblazer in the world of personal finance. She is the author of You're So Money, 
Psych Yourself Rich and When She Makes More. I love this book. It's a book that really helped, I think, shape our discussion today. Not intentionally, but uh, it was really cool to be able to talk about, you know, what is it like in that uh, relationship dynamic dynamic when you make more money than your spouse, you know, especially female. I mean, that's a, that's, you know, a, a social norm shift, right? Something that we're still getting used to talking about, you know, that women can be the breadwinners and men can even stay home and raise the children. And that's okay. And I think still in our society, there's a little bit of a, I, I don't know the word for it, but I think we still kind of look at that situation as a little bit odd, you know? So, um, Farnoosh is talking about, you know, her own life, her own money struggles, her own wins and 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 successes, and also so money and the stories she loves to share, you know, both from celebrities and entrepreneurs to everyday people who are talking about their stories of struggle and success. And, you know, again, I think this is what's so great about her podcast, So Money, and about what we're trying to do here. It's it's sharing stories that help show us that we're all more alike, that, you know, this subject about money that we don't like to talk about, that we should talk about. We should have conversations about this because I think it would it would really help, uh, it would help remove at least a lot of the stress that comes along with money. And especially in, you know, the social media world where I, f- I feel like it's it's meant to divide us. You know, we're all posturing about all the great things that we're doing or the vacations we're going on, the cars we're buying, the relationships we have, all those things. And it it's hard to um sometimes it's hard to find balance in your own life and not to feel like you're comparing yourself to somebody else, you know, and money is a real component of that. I think I think my new hashtag is gonna be hashtag fight the divide. I like that a lot, you know. Let's stop dividing. So anyway, take a listen to Farnoosh's story and then pop on over to So Money and check out my story where I'm sharing some of my goodies of my own on So Money. So Farnoosh, I am so excited to have you on this podcast episode. We're doing a special crossover podcast episode today where I am on So Money and you are on Millennial Money. And I think you have helped trailblaze this path towards talking about finance in a way that is that is really exciting. You have such an amazing background, such an amazing audience. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And that's so sweet of you to say. I, I admire you so much. Uh, it's so wonderful to have uh, a female companion in this space who is also leading important conversations around money. So thank you for everything that you do. Absolutely. So I like to start off with uh, a little question to get us going. So if I today were to drop a million dollars in your bank account, what would you be doing? Where would you be going? What would I wouldn't be going anywhere. I think I would stay put for a little bit. I would need to assess and just let it all sink in. I think a million dollars, oh my gosh, I would probably put 30% away for taxes. <laughs> just, I got to get in the mindset, right? Like, what is this really? I need to know what am I really playing with here? I would probably give away a quarter of it just to uh, so many causes. Uh, here in New York City, we have so many people who could benefit from resources. I like you. I know you're, you have, your heart goes out to kids. I love a lot of the organizations that support children, whether it's through their schooling, um, basic necessities. So I would, I would focus on 
either contributing to existing charities or maybe coming up with my own kind of mission. But sometimes it's easier to just plug into what's out there because they need so much of our help. This year, for example, I'm sponsoring some kids in the Bronx to get proper high school education so that we know that they're going to be able to go on to college. And it's not as much money as you would think. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do something like that. And then with the rest of the money, I think I'd invested in New York City real estate. <laughs> right on. I mean, to be honest, I moved here when I was in my early 20s. I had the great opportunity to buy something in, in my early 20s. And it appreciated and allowed us to afford our current home. And I've just, I've been really lucky slash smart with real estate in New York City. And now in living in Brooklyn, I see some areas for opportunity and more growth. And I'm actually talking to someone today who's in real estate to talk about like, what are the, the sort of next frontiers in Brooklyn where there's growth. And I think I would like to invest in something this year. I don't know where or what, but um, that's why I'm using today to get to know who the who's who in the real estate market in New York, in Brooklyn specifically, and what their perspectives are. Yeah, that's so cool. I just recently went to Brooklyn for the very first time. So I, I love it. I love the vibe. And it's, you know, it's just, it's electric like New York City, but in just a whole different way. Yeah, we live in downtown Brooklyn slash Borum Hill, depending on who, like the time of day. <laughs> it's like we're right <laughs> We're right on the border, and they're just two different neighborhoods, but our street is full of construction. It's annoying, but it's also exciting because uh, we're getting so many great new neighbors and small businesses, and it's really a fun place to live. Yeah, that's so exciting. So, you know, you you tell the story um, about being young, being in your 20s, being in a lot of debt. I believe the number was $30,000 in debt and, you know, trying to figure out how to pull yourself out of debt in New York City, an extremely expensive city. Take us back to that time in your life. And if you would, maybe share some of the, the money lessons that you learned where, mm -hmm. you know, really helped you kind of pull out of that position and maybe even launch you in the direction uh, that you're in now? Wow. Going back all of those years, it was a vivid time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't forget when you're moving and living in New York City and uh, the feeling of being in debt and to, to, to pair that with you know, the lifestyle in New York City, which is the opposite of frugality. It's like so many things you want to do. Everything costs money. Everything costs a lot of money. I remember feeling very um, embarrassed that I was in all this debt. Although $30,000 today is like a drop in the bucket, especially when I interview people on my podcast who have six figures in debt and I feel for them. I'm like, wow, I shouldn't really be complaining. I shouldn't have ever complained. But it, you know, nonetheless, here I was 23 years old with $30,000 in debt. And not, not to mention, uh, a very low salary. I was making $18 an hour before taxes. I had a master's degree. I'm like, what? It, well, all, you're regretting all your life's decisions at this point. <laughs> and, but I think that what got me through it all was I had this insurmountable feeling of, I just didn't want to disappoint my parents, you know, and I didn't want to be this, uh, I didn't want to be behind. You know, I had so many things I wanted to accomplish. And for me, the biggest hurdle was my money situation, my money 
the money, the money situation, the fact that I was $30,000 in it, that I wasn't making enough money. And I, I, I joke, but also in all seriousness, I had the fear of God in my mother, you know, that I didn't want her to ever know that I was in so much debt because I just knew like the wrath of, of my mom was just no fun. <laughs> and I also worked in personal finance as a journalist. And I also felt a responsibility and an accountability to get my own finances straight so that I could then go on and write the articles about how to manage your money to the masses, right? It just, I felt like a, like a fraud in some ways, but not really. I mean, it wasn't like I'd racked up all this credit card debt. A lot of it was student loan debt, but I wanted to feel secure in my finances so that I could be secure in my job and feel confident in the advice that I was giving. And I also was fearful of my parents and their judgment. And I had all these things that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to be able to afford a nice dinner out and also be able to travel and be able to, you know, feel good about my finances so that I could feel good in a relationship, so that I could feel good in a friendship, so that I could feel good in my job, right? Because as we know, when your money is set, when your money scenario is figured out and you don't have debt and you have some savings and you're making some a weekly paycheck, your whole life changes and you're, you're, you're like, it's not just financial freedom, it's life freedom. You get to pursue your career with more ease and you're, you have a, a, a your risk tolerance increases because you're like, well, I have the savings so I can take that risk at work. I can take a chance with that side hustle. I can, I can be in this relationship because, um, I'm not desperate to be dependent on someone else's finances. I'm financially secure. So I can guess what be in a relationship just for love. And that may sound crazy, but I still know people who, especially women, sometimes they, they do judge their male partner, by how much he's making, because that will necessarily mean how much they will have in the in the marriage. Um, and the, you know and I mean? the irony of that is that nothing's guaranteed. You know, somebody could yeah. be making five hundred thousand dollars and lose their job tomorrow, and not be able to get a job for a couple years. I mean, there's just nothing that is is guaranteed. So you're absolutely dead on. You know, the best thing you can do is find a relationship that is based on love, that in any financial situation, you would still stick by this person. It sounds basic and as something we should always think about. And it's like, okay, that's obvious. You should just marry for love, but it's not so simple, right? And I so often hear from people like they're looking for partners that fit a certain economic scale and a certain professional tier. And it's like, okay, I, I try to you know, explain to them that that is, like you said, it's never a guarantee. It doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is going to work out. That's like the, you're not applying, you're not hiring someone to be your intern. You're looking for a partner in life, right? You're not, it's like the resume means nothing at that point. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. 
Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. 
That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, you know, being a, being as passionate about personal finance as I am, you know, talking about relationships, that's such a sticky sticky point. I get a lot of questions about, you know, how do you do this in a relationship? What have been some of the things that have worked or maybe not worked in your own relationship? Well, you could read the book. <laughs> I've written a lot about my relationship in my last book, When She Makes More, as that has been the real kind of twist and turn of the relationship is that I make more than my husband totally innocuous to the two of us when we first got together, like who cares who's making what and how much and the income disparity was not at all a, a point of contention. However, as we started to get more serious and our families started to recognize our economic dynamic, then we realized that we have all these other societal influences and family influences, people judging us. And um, I think that was the biggest like annoyance um, was that we felt very comfortable in our marriage in how we were delegating and managing the money. And what was unfortunate was that there were some members of our family who were um, skeptical of it, frankly, like, how is it that she can earn more? And then if you want to have kids, how's that going to work out? Cause doesn't she doesn't Farnish want to take time out of the workforce as so many moms do to, and it's like, Everybody just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Okay. But honestly, it wasn't just that. I recognize also in their marriage that because of the income disparity and because I was making more, um, there were some sort of uh, subtleties that were not the healthiest. Like I think was taking on a lot of the financial decision making because I made more because I inherently thought that that was my role. And my husband, because he made less, was sometimes taking more of a passive role in some of the financial decisions that we should have both been making jointly and equivocally. And I recognized that when we were like, for example, buying our first home and planning our wedding. And I just, I just brought attention to it. I said, look, I, 
I, I don't know what's going on and what's why this is going on, but I feel like I'm making a lot of decisions on my own about the wedding and the house and the mortgage. And I'm happy to do it. It's kind of, I, I love doing it. It's like my, uh, it's where I get my high <laughs> like numbers and analysis and research and, and all that. But I do feel as though I'm inadvertently blocking you out of this and I want you to feel as much of a player. And I don't know if it's because I make more or what it, and honestly, that was the best thing to say because he, then my husband did announce that he did feel a little insecure about voicing his opinions with regards to how we spend our money and how we invest our money because most of our money was my money. And I think we were having, because it was early stages in the marriage and, and engagement that it still felt like my money and his money and not our money. And that is something that couples do need to work on. And especially couples that get married later in life or who've been financially on their own for a large part of their adult, young adult life, it's hard. Like I think you would attest to this too, that it's harder to merge your finances in a marriage than to manage your money in a business because it is two different people with two different mindsets, two different financial backgrounds. But what ties you together are your goals. And that is my advice to everybody. And something that we learned is like, we do have common ground and goals and that's what can help us level the financial playing field. Once you get clear on what it is that you both want to achieve together and what it's going to cost and what it's going to take, then it's not so much about who's making what or how much it's about pooling your money together and working towards this goal as a team. And there are other things that you can do too, to, as I say, level the financial playing field in a relationship Money often means power in the real world. And I think that wrongfully becomes how we look at money in a relationship. And that's the first thing that has to go out the window. You cannot look at money as power in a relationship because that will totally screw up the way that you treat each other, the way that you respect each other. And then, you know, it's not a coincidence that then I think we find that the divorce rate for couples where she makes more, uh, the chance for divorce increases by 50%. Wow. So that knowing that too, you know, you want to you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to communicate and to set some ground rules and to respect them and to respect each other. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast, right? Yeah, Women but breadwinners. I, I love that uh, you talk honestly about it because, you know, it, it is something it's been prevalent in my working career as well. And it's something that you don't talk about with a lot of people. And so I think it's very healthy to have conversations about that because, you know, let's break down the stereotypes. Let's break down. There aren't any norms. You know, this is whatever you want it to look like for your own life and what makes sense for your own situation. Exactly. Uh, it sounds again, so basic. Like what we, what we preach is not rocket science, right? You should, you should talk about money. Um, (laughs) but it is the hardest step. Sometimes it is so hard. It's harder to talk about money than to talk about our previous sex life, health, uh, our politics, our religion, death, and the studies have proven that money is by far the most taboo topic. I was just at the blog her event uh, earlier in January and I was with my uh, financial partner, Chase, Chase Slate. We had a wonderful booth there. The, the theme of blog her was health and what is more impactful on your health than your finances, right? And having a happy financial life and a sound financial life means less stress. means that you can then take on your, the rest of your life with confidence and ease we were the only financial sponsor there, funny enough, but hopefully we're changing the conversation. 
my point in all this is that women were coming to the booth and I was engaging with them and I, they did not want to reveal their credit scores to me, but they did want to talk about their lady parts (laughs) and, you know, all these other sensitive, what I would think is more sensitive, more private than maybe your credit score. But uh, as soon as we wanted to talk about like credit card balances, credit scores, they got really scared and, you know, to, to the point where we we're talking now about how communicating about money is so tough. And in a relationship, it can be especially vulnerable, can be an especially vulnerable feeling because even though you're hopefully in the safest place ever, you know, in your relationship, but it's still very hard because we're worried about getting judged. We're worried about not being understood. And that's the last thing you want to feel in a relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, such such great information you're you're giving. And it's so true. You know, it's just talking about money. And I think that's what's so exciting about doing, you know, crossover podcasts that we're doing today. And your podcast is just amazing, is really, again, you know, trailblazed a path for uh, I started just after your podcast, but you've really just made an avenue and I think an accessibility to talking about money. I have there been some guests or stories on So Money that really stand out to you that, um, you know, have been inspiring and maybe that are awesome episodes that people should check out? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, there are a couple that stand out. And I will start with a recent podcast I had on um, a couple, the Darkos, two doctors, Dr. Nee and Dr. Renee Darko. Uh, they've been married for a few years. They... Uh, had, went through medical school. They also got their MBAs, really accomplished, fantastic people. And they came on the show because I they wanted to talk about how they got out of $662,000 worth wow. of student loan debt. I mean, almost like, let's just call it a million, right? At that point, like, what's the difference? Uh, of student loan debt in three years. Wow. They're also parents to a child now. I mean, the like mind blowing. And if you listen to this show, we're laughing, we're, you know, it's so refreshing and so enlightening to hear from people like the Darkos that are, you know, like a lot of my listeners, very ambitious, very goal oriented. It happens to the best of us. Like the debt, the debt problem happens to the best of us. We're not intending to be in $662,000 worth of debt. How does that happen? And then how do you escape that? So we, they went through very transparently talking about how they did it. And it was challenging at times. I'm not going to say that like, oh, it was so simple. They just automated their payments and they worked hard. No, there were some real trade-offs that they made. What were they? And so that's one. I'm so proud of them and so thankful that they came on the show to share that. Uh, I'm actually going to go on their podcast now because I want to pay it forward and help them in in their side hustles as they like, um, how do they have the time? Right. But they have like side hustles and uh, physician careers and I mean, they have their MBAs. So they're, they're leveraging that to some extent with these side hustles. They're just very incredible people. So they're, they're, that's just like, you know, people you would have never met unless you listen to the podcast and you got to like take a peek inside their lives. And I love that we can do that. We can, the show can provide this sort of voyeuristic uh, tool, right. To be able to peek into other people's financial lives, how they're doing it, how they're not doing it, the struggles, the pains, the wins, and they're just like us. Right. So that's one thing. And then the other side of the show is of course the celebrities, the famous people, the people that we admire for their careers and their messaging and their talent 
And guess what? They also have financial struggles or they money wasn't always this thing that came to them easily. They're just like us. And one example of that is Tim Gunn, someone I just adore. Tim Gunn is the mentor on Project Runway. He's the grandfather I never had um, <laughs> or wish I had, you know, it's like, or just older, more mature uncle, not to call him old, but he came on the show. He was very gracious and totally went to town with his money stories. And he told me that he did not get paid the first two seasons of Project Runway. He didn't ask for money. He didn't think that he was entitled to any money. And so he didn't ask and he didn't receive. And you're like, wait a minute, rewind. How is it that you didn't think you deserved any money for a job that you were doing? And not only any job. It was like a massive production. It's like an Emmy nominated show that is still ongoing. Like how many shows can say that? And he's like, well, you know, I'm a professor or I was a professor. And at the time, you know, I, I was doing this thing that was, I considered like reality TV. It wasn't this proven show yet. And I just didn't think that people got paid in reality TV for being themselves, you know? And, and, um, and he just never asked and you better believe the other people. You think Heidi Klum wasn't getting paid, right? You don't think that like the producers were getting paid, the associate producers, the directors. I mean, it was a for-profit endeavor. And he just was, I guess, either uneducated or too nice or didn't want to like, you know, rustle the, like just create a drama. And so he didn't ask. And for two seasons, he didn't get paid. And it wasn't until he was at a GLAAD event where he was emceeing or he was a presenter and at that point the show had been on for two seasons and it was super popular like it hit the ground running it was very popular from the first episode and an agent approached him uh when he got off the stage and said hi i'm so and so from such and such big agency um i love your show i think you're amazing who does your representation and tim's like uh what what do you mean representation (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what that means and this agent was like are you serious He's like, how much are you getting paid? He's like, I'm not getting paid. And so the agent said, call me on Monday. We're going to change that. And of course, now he's paid and he has other career opportunities. He's like the voice on um, Doc McStuffins. I mean, he's like doing endorsement deals. He's speaking. He has books, as he should, right? Because he maybe didn't see it in himself, but someone else did and enlightened him. And now he's... uh, as he says, he was like a financial late bloomer. You know, this was in his 50s. He was in debt until then. He was renting until then. And he asked and received. And I think that that is such a wonderful message to all listeners and everybody. I tell that story all the time because I'm like, look, you could be somebody that's super educated. I think Tim Gunn was like the head of the fashion school at FIT at that point or Parsons. I can't I can't yes, remember I, the I two. I remember that. Not – a dummy, right? Like yes. a smart man who was exceptionally successful in his career and, you know, was doing this sort of foreign thing of like reality TV. He didn't want to do it at first. He rejected it so many times. Finally, he said, okay. Um, didn't know his worth in that world. So didn't really investigate or ask or inquire. And it wasn't until someone else saw his potential that he started to earn it. And so, a message to all of us, like know your worth, right? And ask for it. Even if you feel like you're in foreign territory, uh, don't ever underestimate yourself 
because look what was on the other side of that, you know, this amazing career. And I don't know, it's just like, so the, so the, the podcast is just really this, this, this show, hopefully that makes money a fluent topic that we can all talk about it openly, transparently, comfortably. People come on the show, people like millionaires next door, people who've survived debt, people who are famous and are making tons of money, but they didn't always. And even now that they're making all this money, what are some of their financial trip ups? And then on Fridays, we answer people's money questions. And I love having co-hosts, people who listen I've actually been inviting onto the show just fans and listeners to come on and and tackle some of the the mailbag with me, and it's been really fun to connect with listeners that way. I love doing that because that's what really keeps the show going and transforming and evolving is getting feedback from listeners. That's so cool. I love all those stories, and I just know you're as big of a fan as I am about you know you can't hear enough about money, you can't learn enough you know tips and techniques. So you know I think really um, really listening to podcasts, subscribing to So Money, you know being a listener on Millennial Money, all of those things are helping you towards your goals. So tell listeners uh, where they can find So Money and where they can find you. Thanks so much, Shauna. Well, So Money, the podcast, somoneypodcast.com is the direct website, but we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on uh, a lot of places where podcasts are widely available. And then, uh, yeah, and then I have actually, I would love to mention to your audience that uh, just this year I launched a money course. And if you go to somoneycourse.com, We'll send you where the information for where you can find the course and also a 20% discount code. It's a course that I did in conjunction with Investopedia. It's a nine-module money course, everything from budgeting to how to earn more to how to buy that house and get out of debt and everything in between. It's really fun. It's uh, something that I've always wanted to do but didn't really feel like I had the right team in place. And Investopedia is very good at creating and producing dynamic courses for their audience. And this is something that their audience has been telling them they wanted, like a real kind of, you know, straightforward, like, okay, got to get my finances in straight before I turn 30 because <laughs> it's got to happen. Or even if you're 45, I think you're going to appreciate the course if you, if you want some, uh, some, some help. But yeah, I, I would give you like the direct URL at Investopedia, but it's like this really long URL. So to save time and make it really easy, just go to somoneycourse.com and put your email. We'll send you all the goodies and where to get the course and the discount code right away. And I would love for people to check it out. That I'm really proud of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Farnoosh, for uh, rocking the podcast today. Thank you so much, Shauna, for having me on. I've been admiring your podcast from a little bit of a distance for a while, and I'm so glad we got to connect and make this happen. And congratulations on all your success. So if you haven't subscribed to So Money, head on over to Farnoosh's podcast. I've got all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe. Be sure to check out my episode on So Money as well. And as always, if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, head on over to that link in the show notes. You know, it takes a minute or two and leave us a review on iTunes. And I hope that you have, as Farnoosh would say, a so money day. 